The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel and I'm joined by two superstars from Canada here and talking up the World Juniors and the prospects of Montreal Canadiens in that tournament. I'm joined by Matt Rake. Yes, sir. And you have something very interesting to say. I'm not going to spoil it for everyone else, but, you know, we all know what you're going to say. Anyway. <laughs> and Jared Book. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I think I'm going to be taking the Riley Kidney roll. Um, all right in, yeah. in this podcast because yeah. well, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure matt has the josh so, you know, it's, one not, down. it's not if you've missed one it's not the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh we're here to talk about the upcoming world juniors it will start in about 21 hours if i'm counting on my fingers correctly with uh was it slovakia starting uh the tournament tomorrow at six eastern um and unfortunately, two Slovak players from that were drafted this year are not in the squad. I'm not surprised, and uh, I don't think anyone should be. Um, but obviously, Slavkovsky and Meshar would have been fantastic to strengthen that team. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel bad for Slovakia. Um, I mean, th- there is no relegation, so I don't feel too bad for them. Uh, but at the same time, it's great news. You you got the first and second overall picks. And uh, a later first, a later first round pick, and none of them are going to be eligible for <laughs> are going to be are going to be sent to you for the tournament uh, in August. Um, and the the iron the the the, ir- the irony there is that they were all part of the team uh, when it started in December. So uh, that's the breaks, I guess. Uh, you know, a team like Canada can replace Caden Gooley relatively easily. Uh, a team like Slovakia, it's asking a lot to replace. Uh, Nemich and Slavkovsky and Meshar. And obviously for from a Canadian's perspective, that's you know it's disappointing. But I would expect at least one of them to be in the December tournament. Uh so that's good news. And uh but uh, yeah I mean it, it's disappointing I think because I think you know a lot of fans want to see them play. Uh but they'll just have to wait a little month and then you know, training camp training camp right around the corner. <laughs> I mean that's that's the issue, right? It's more of a timing thing than it is yeah. Like, I'm not disappointed. I would have liked to see Gooley play. I would have liked to see, uh, definitely would have liked to see Uri Slavkovsky play. I'd say even more than Gooley. Definitely would have liked to see uh, Meshar play as well. Uh, but like you said, camps around the corner, right? They, they, they just don't want to send people to a tournament right before the season would start if something happens. So anybody that they're considering, um, you know, as, as potentially part of their starting like day one lineup, they can't send them, you know, so it's, it is what it is. But like you said, I think we'll, we'll probably see at least one of them in the December tournament. It's interesting also to, to, to think because Slovakia has a really strong development program going on. They're taking the best from other countries in Europe and, and made a, a sort of approach that like their own. 
But I, I just think a little bit like Finland a couple of years ago, Sweden and before that, this is the start of something with Slovak players coming through in, in the earlier rounds of, of the NHL draft. And uh, I know there were, I forgot his name, but it was a 16-year-old playing with Slovan Bratislava in the playoffs last um, this May, uh, this April, uh, becoming a champion with the team. Uh, there are other 16-, uh, 17-year-old players spread out in, in all teams, really, in the Slovak Extraliga. So I think it's really, really cool, and, and they might surprise the, the in, in the tournament anyway, because just because no one really knows anything about Slovakian players right now. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, Yuri Slavkovsky and, and Philip Meshar played in the, in the tournament as 16-year-olds, you know, in, uh, in 2021, the last tournament that wasn't stopped. <laughs> I don't know what year that was, but whatever, whatever year it was, <laughs> they played in that one as 16-year-olds. Uh, obviously, Nemec was on that team as well. So, yeah, I mean, Slovakia doesn't uh, hesitate to put their best players. Uh, they don't really worry about age. Uh, a lot of a lot of countries um, tend to put their, their older players in it, right? They, they want their, mostly 19-year-olds at this tournament. Uh, but Slovakia has never been one to shy away from that uh, on their teams. And, and it's, I think it's helped their development because once these kids do turn 18, uh, 19, uh, they are going to be, you know, in their third or fourth tournament and, and have a lot of experience. And I, and I think that's, that's good for their program and it's good for, uh, for obviously players coming up the, the pipeline. Indeed. Um, looking at, at uh, the players from Montreal, uh, the Montreal organization, really, uh, that is in the tournament, we can start with the Finns. Um, and it's uh, Nurmi that I think a lot of Montreal Canadiens uh, fans and, and staff will be following closely. Uh, late round pick, overager, uh, playing in Hopeko, if I remember correctly, up in the top of my head. And uh, he will be on the first line. It's our first pairing, really, it seems, in Finland. And uh, we should really be seeing a lot of him. Yeah, that's the one that I'm really interested with. Because, you know, it, it's surprising when you can get a seventh-round pick who played in the World Juniors, right? Normally, normally those, especially from a country like Finland, usually those guys go, you know, relatively early and are already drafted. So I'm I'm intrigued to see him play. Obviously, in the seventh round, you don't know much about these players. Uh, so, yeah, I think that out of the players that are there, obviously you want to see uh, other guys step up, you know, like a Joshua Hua, Yan Mishak, uh, Oliver Kapanen. You want to see him maybe step up a bit more. Uh, but I'm really interested to see uh, Pateri Nurmi because this is going to be the first time that uh, a lot of people are going to be really focusing on him uh, as as a new member of the, the Canadians organization. You know, the two games they had in December, he wasn't part of the Canadians organization, so uh, people weren't really focusing on him. So, yeah, I, that, that's a name that I have circled as well, just to kind of see what he can do because uh, Nick Bobrov, Martin, uh, Martin Lapointe seemed pretty uh, intrigued by him. And uh, based on everyone else they drafted, I think that there's reason to be uh, intrigued uh, as well. Yeah, I got that name circled too, highlighted. Definitely want to be taking a look at him, right? I think, especially with later round picks, I think you're going to see more and more of this uh, as the years go on, is going after overage players that have maybe been passed over once or twice in the draft already. Uh, and then they have some production going on. Because you, you, I think when you're dealing with a 20-year-old, you have a bit more of an idea of what that player is 
right? And again, the Habs have had some success when it comes to that. Um, you know, drafting Xavier Simono was a good one. And the hope, I guess, is that uh, Pateri Nermi ends up being a similar uh, pick to that. And then they have some success out of it. So I, I think all Habs fans are going to want to get a good look at him because, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I haven't seen very much of him myself. Uh, looking forward to it. And, and obviously the trend for Petri Nurmi has been positive. He's uh, improved with every season since his draft year. And I think, you know, when you see a trend like that and, and you see improvement over time, you think you can mold him into a, a, a good player. And uh, there is no doubt to me that he will play in the AHL next year, maybe the year after, I don't know, but how, how his contract situation is. But I would... I would be shocked if he doesn't reach Laval level. Yeah, and it's interesting because they just re-signed Otto Leskinen, right, who is a Finnish player who's likely going to be in Laval uh, this year. So I wonder if that's uh, maybe part of the conversation of of bringing him over. Um, it's it's kind of a shame that the top twenty five hundred twenty five is due the day before the day the day the tournament starts because I think that he's a player that might be uh, that might benefit from another week of of voting. Uh, there might be, be at the <laughs> there might be a bunch of lists that people want to change <laughs> after they see that tournament. I mean, yeah, because um, exactly. we got we got prospects playing there, right? So yeah, uh, there's a few guys that could end up. You know, either people are going to want to jump them up higher, or they're going to want to bring them down lower. Yeah, yeah, and what, the, thing, what, the thing about 20-year-olds, I just want to say quickly about 20-year-olds, you're, you're talking about th- basically three draft years that have been really weird, right? Uh, not playing very much, not being yeah. able to scout very much. Uh, and, and so Scouting from a distance. Know, right, exactly. So the more the more information you have on these players, um, you know, there are going to be, there's definitely going to be players who fall through the cracks. It, it's not a maybe. It, it's a definite mm-hmm. um, from, from these years. So yeah, I have no problem, go, especially in in you know, given the past three years, um, to to pick guys who are a little bit older because, yeah, information is is going to be lacking, and there's going to be players that are going to come out of nowhere from these draft years. It, it's just going to happen, uh, and and I think that that's uh, uh, you know, shoot your shot <laughs> and, and throw darts at the board. I mean, it, it could be worse. And one of those players that we uh, think uh, will. <laughs> will be uh, a person to move up or down is Oliver Kapanen. A strange first year after the draft, um, held on to his stick a little bit too hard in many situations, uh, was known to score from from inside, didn't really do that, didn't get the time with um, uh, Kalpa, and uh, he went to the Kalpa under-20s, had a good uh, playoff run with them, and, and performed quite well during the playoffs. Uh, but also went on loan to Mestis and to another team in Liga. So we're uncertain about his qualities. And uh, he was on the fourth line he, in, uh, in the, pre, in the uh, warm-up game here in, uh, before the World Juniors. Um, I, when I saw him in, in those two games in the World Juniors uh, in December, he was on the second line, um, sort of playing third line though, because he was creating that space for the Brad Lampert line, uh, taking the, the opponent's second line out of the equation, really. Yeah, he's a guy that I think is... I don't want to put too much emphasis on this tournament, because I don't think what he does at this tournament really makes a difference. Uh, but at the same time, you want to see him take a step up. 
uh, and you know he's he's a guy who was a late for a second round pick, uh, one basically picked at the same time as Riley Kidney, uh, one pick between the two of them, uh, and then you know they're, they're back to back picks, and, and kind of have different different development patterns, right? Riley Kidney had a great year, and we'll talk about him a little bit uh, when we talk about the the two Canadian uh, players. But Oliver Captain is a guy who we need to see step up. Otherwise, he can kind of fall into that Jacob Olsen territory mm. where you're just waiting for him to, to take that next step. And um, I, I don't want to don't want to say Yoni Ikinen because he had injuries as well, right? I'm not, you know, there's there's other factors there. But but you want to see Oliver Captain kind of step up and, and see what kind of player he can become. And he's not going to necessarily be a, a top scorer at the next level, but you want to see him kind of put up numbers that that give you a little bit of uh optimism about him and it's way yeah. too early to, to to write him off i'm not saying that at all but but when you're in your draft plus two year that's the year where you kind of want to see some 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 major movement yeah uh, he's he's like i talked about it before right people might want to bump people up or bring people down on a list he's a guy that like i'm not going to say where i ranked him because we're not talking about the top 2525 rankings right now but he's a guy that could have, you know, if this, if this tournament happened first and he had a really good showing, he could have jumped up on my list a little bit. Uh, I'm definitely looking, hoping to see, you know, a, a bit of a push from him here. Uh, if he has a really good tournament, you know, that could really put him on the Habs radar. could really put him on, on our radar as well for um, for ranking purposes. Indeed. And and um, I, I like the comparison with Jacob Olsson. They're both very smart players to, when, and coming from fortunate backgrounds in a way with, you know, Kapanen as a name, it, it, it carries some weight, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, do they have the drive to really push through that and, and show that they have that drive? I think that might be the most important thing. Um, I was really uh, surprised about his production and, and his play in the under-20s uh, playoffs in Finland. And uh, so, so I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic going into the tournament. But on the other side, I also see playing fourth-line minutes. I would ex- at least expect him to play third line minutes, but we'll see. It could have just been a practice game and trying things out as well. We, we never know about this and how, how the coaches think in, in that regard. Uh, Finland is obviously with a strong team as well. So um, uh, one of the challengers for, for, for goal this year, um, but but it's it's a team to look at, uh, look into. And, and uh, obviously with two halves prospect, there will be even more to look into. One surprise, because it didn't sound like it when when I spoke with him earlier this summer, is Jan Mishak, and that he was on the roster for, for the practice game the other night. And uh, um, the one thing that stood out, and uh, I'm sure I'm going to get heaped on from the Eyes on the Prize community for this, is that in Czech Republic, or Czechia, they, uh, they played him as a winger. I wonder who said that in his draft year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's you talk about uh, players who can really use this tournament as momentum, and I'm not talking about just in terms of their outlook, but in terms of their upcoming season. Um, Mishak is definitely one of those guys, right? He's coming off a Memorial Cup run with Hamilton, where he was kind of relegated to a, a supporting role, right? And now he's going to be on this Czech team where he's going to be the captain. He's going to be probably the their top winger. Um, or one of their top wingers get power play minutes, get top line minutes, and, and really have an opportunity to gain some momentum heading into basically his first real pro training camp, where he's going to be fighting for a spot in Laval. 
So I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, you don't necessarily, again, it, it's a very short tournament. It's a weird time for the tournament. Uh, I'm not saying that if he doesn't do well, he's going to have a bad season, but it, it's an opportunity to create some momentum. And he's a guy that, you know, didn't maybe not had the point, point totals um, that people were expecting just because of the situation that he was in uh, on the Bulldogs. But he has a chance to, you know, he played some AHL time um, but in, during the pandemic season when the OHL wasn't playing, uh, then had to go back and now has an opportunity to, to take a step forward with a different coaching staff too. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what he does and how he performs uh, in this tournament because his role is going to be completely different than what we saw at the Memorial Cup and, and in the Big OHL time. playoffs. Big time. I mean, he when Mason McTavish got traded to the Bulldogs, right, for the first, uh, I want to say, five or six games, they put Mason McTavish on a line with Meshack, and Meshack was on a tear when he had Mason McTavish. My concern came when they took McTavish away from him. All of a sudden, his production dropped off a cliff, right? So my question when it comes to Meshack is, are you able to actually drive play or are you more of a passenger and you need those elite line mates in order to get things done? And I think that's, you hit the nail on the head, Jared, is his, his role is going to be the guy who drives play for, for Czechia, right? He's going to have to get things done. He's not necessarily going to have elite line mates. He's going to have to actually do some things himself. So I think that's, like you said, where he can gain some momentum and he can show that look, I don't need a Mason McTavish on my line to get things done. I can do it myself. But this is, has been the problem with Jan Mishak in many ways um, ever since he was drafted, uh, where Czech, Czech uh, colleagues of mine were, say, were saying he can't run a power play. He's not the center that you expect to drive play. So, yeah, it's it's a and, – and we know Timmins uh, before, I think it was last summer, said – Something like we don't know where Mishak will play if he reaches the NHL, and it sounded more like they might turn him into a winger. And here he is, a winger on 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 the game against Austria last night. And you know, it's 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 something that I would think lends the role. Mishak is is better suited to that role as a winger. Then and he it's, is it's probably center. where he's going to play in Laval, right? He's uh, like, you know, if you look at Laval centers, uh, they have, you know, uh, there's, there's Nate Schnarr, there's, um, you know, guys that are, are going to be down the middle on that, on that team. Uh, you know, and Joel Bouchard always used to say, if you're a center, there's only four spots for you. If you can play wing, there's 12 spots for you. And, and Meshach is going to be on that bubble uh, when it comes to, uh, to the AHL roster, Laval is going to have a lot of depth, and depending on what happens in Montreal, you're going to have guys that are going to be uh, potentially sent down or start the season in Laval, um, who who are going to be very good, and and Mishak will have to play. And you know what? If he's not a a, a guy who who drives a line, that's fine. <laughs> you know, he's he's a second round pick. If he's a guy who can play a supporting role with a guy like, say, a you know, Nick Suzuki or Owen Beck or, uh, you know, Christian Dvorak or, or something like that. That's fine too. Uh, Kirby Doc. I forgot what Kirby Doc. I was wondering who I was missing in the NHL. I was like, that, that. Owen Beck is not an NHL player right now. Uh, but it, going down the road, if he can be a supporting player, that's perfectly fine. You know, he doesn't have to be a Mason McTavish. He wasn't drafted in the top five or top three like McTavish was. Uh, you know, 
Uri Slavkovsky, you want to see him drive a line. You don't want to see him being a passenger. Uh, but a guy like Mishak, I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing if he does become that that kind of guy who needs help. Um, but if he can help a line produce, then that's that's good too. Yeah, I think I, I see him more of a Lekkonen kind of player than than a center down the middle. But we'll, we'll see about where we he end did. up in this. That because you brought up Lekkonen, so I, I do want to mention, like I watched um, pretty much all of the Hamilton playoff games, and I watched obviously all of their games at the Memorial Cup. I will say this for Jan Mishak, his penalty killing is on point. He's very very well positioned, keeps a good active stick. Um, similar to Arturi Lekkonen. So, I mean, he could carve himself out a pretty significant role if he was a winger. And then all of a sudden, you know, you could have him move to the middle during uh, during penalty kill. He gives you some versatility. So it could really carve himself out kind of a depth role in, in the NHL in the future if he does well. Maybe, maybe well he'll play on a line with, right? with, maybe he'll play on a line with Emil Heinemann. Maybe. Maybe. Also a Lekkonen, obviously. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll just have a, we'll, all we need to do is get four Lekkonens. We need and, two and more. I, 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 call, I think I called Mesh our Lekkonen replacement. <laughs> okay, so we got three now. Yeah, so that's <laughs> the whole line one, them, right? <laughs> oh, does Owen Beck count? He, he's pretty good defensively. Well, um, Pateri Pater, Nermi is, is finished, right? So maybe we just... Uh, yeah, three, but and he's a three and a half. <laughs> I, I know he's a defender, but still, we can still we can still convert him into a Lekkonen somehow. Yeah. We can work this out. Uh, either way, uh, Riley Kidney is on the Canadian team. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting Canadian team. We just saw the, the proposed lines here uh, on Twitter a couple of hours ago and saving the best for last so Matt can go on a chair. But but let's start with the Riley Kidney. Yeah, I think that you know this is a good opportunity for him. You know the the, the 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 if he gets to play, well, even even just being part of the team, he's eligible for the December tournament as well, right? So even if he doesn't play on this team, just you know if he's an extra forward, um, the fact that he's there bodes well for the fact that when you know players graduate from this tournament and are no longer eligible. Uh, for the December tournament, the 2023 tournament, uh, he'll be well positioned to to kind of step right into a role. Um, I, I do think I do expect that Canada will rotate their players. Um, I, I don't think they'll have much problems in their group, uh, and obviously injuries and and COVID can can come up at any time as well. So I, I do think he'll get games, but it doesn't really bother me if he doesn't get into a game or if he plays limited minutes as a uh, 13 forward or or something like that because. Uh, I see this more as a preseason kind of tournament, and it you know the gold medals last forever. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter, but from a players in this tournament are looking to use this as a kind of ramp for their season, right? Um, let, let's be honest. You know, yes, there's high intensity games. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be expectations on certain players to to perform very well, but you know, you also don't want to necessarily get hurt and miss the first, you know, three months of your, uh, of your actual season. So for, for me, kidney, I'm, I'm intrigued to see him if he does get ice time. Uh, but if he doesn't, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it because this positions him very well for, for the 2023 December tournament, uh, which he should be a part of once, once you factor in the guys who were born in 2002. Yeah, and he he mentioned it actually in an interview with TSN that he wants to go to the uh, to the tournament in December as well. Um, so I would not be surprised um, if if he's on that roster and gets a bit more of a role. And I also I wouldn't be surprised if 
something happens if they're either if they either rotate him in or there's an injury or something if he doesn't carve himself out a more significant spot in that roster i know he looks like he's a depth forward and an extra guy right now but he's an incredibly smart player incredibly smart player very well positioned um good playmaking tied for the league lead in the qmjhl for assists last year i mean this is a guy that you can put him on pretty much any line and he's going to have some success because he he thinks the game very well his hockey iq is very high so you're not going to have a problem inserting him anywhere. And then once you do, if he produces, it's going to, he's going to make it very hard for you to take him away from that spot. So again, yeah, I have no problem with the fact that he's the extra forward. Um, these, these things happen, but I would keep my eye on him because if he gets a shot, he's going to make it tough for them to take him back out of that lineup. And with that, I might as well turn the podcast over to Mr. Matt Drake. Because we're going to speak about his Number one on the top 25 under 25, <laughs> Joshua Roy. <laughs> well, you, you'll, you, everybody's going to have to wait and find out whether or not I really did rank him number one. Um, spoiler alert, I didn't, but you might want to check that out. So everybody should definitely be checking out the top 25 under 25. But, oh boy, when I saw those lines today, I, I got to say, I, I was floored because several days ago, I tweeted out when I was having a bit of an argument with somebody about whether or not they felt like Joshua Roy was going to be a depth forward. They wasn't really going to play in this tournament. And I, I was arguing with the guy and I was like, listen, what I would do, I would put him with Mason McTavish and Connor Bedard. And lo and behold, the lines come out today. And it turns out that the coaches of team Canada have listened to me and they're going to put him with Mason McTavish and Connor Bedard. I put a poll out on my Twitter last week asking whether or not, like, what do you think an over or under uh, 10 points? for Joshua Hoy at this tournament. I'm smashing the over on that if they keep this line together. That line is going to be dynamic. That's two elite shooters with Mason McTavish and Joshua Hoy. And then the most dynamic player probably in the entire tournament and Connor Bedard all playing together on one line. That line is going to be magical for Canada. I can't wait to watch it. And I can't wait to see what Joshua Hoy does as part of that line. He took such a massive leap forward this past season. It was unbelievable watching it. I mean, last year, I think I ranked him 22nd or 23rd in my top 2525. He took a massive leap on my list this year because the, the improvement that he showed is insane. And then even improvement throughout the year as well. His biggest, the biggest concern about his game is in his skating. But towards the end of the year, you started noticing like he was not sucking wind at the end of long shifts as much as he was at the beginning of the year. He also looked a little bit faster. So he's taken that skating very seriously. And again, I watched the interview that he did with TSN, same as I watched Riley Kidneys, and he specifically mentioned his condition. He said, I've been working my ass off trying to get uh, better conditioning. So, you know, I'm not tired at the end of shifts. And you saw it all through the year and into the playoffs for the Sherbrooke Phoenix um, he was legging out icings by the end of the year, which was not something that you saw him do very often at the beginning of the year. He is going to be an ace for Team Canada. And as, as much as everybody's going to be focusing on Mason McTavish and Connor Bedard on that line, I hope that the opposing teams do the same thing and focus on those two. And then you're going to find out what happens when you overlook Joshua Hua. He is not to be underestimated. And he, again, if they keep that line together, especially if they keep that line together, he's going to have a fantastic tournament. And I think all Habs fans are going to go, wow, we really got this steal of the 2021 draft. Yeah, I think with, with Joshua Law, and, and the thing to keep in mind is that he has been playing himself into this situation, right? This was not given to him. Uh, he was not invited to the summer camp um, over, over the summer and summer of 2021. He was not invited to that camp. 
and then he basically played himself into the uh, the pre-tournament camp uh, in in December of 2021. Uh, almost made the team. He played very well in those games. Um, was one of the final cuts of on that on that roster. And then with the injuries, with some players who are not uh, being uh, made available for the tournament, uh, he gets a chance to to make this team and step right up into uh, a significant role for this for this Canadian team. And it's it, it's a it's a it's a very good situation for him because he's a guy that with a good camp could potentially be in the NHL. Um, to start the season, or at least get NHL preseason games. So um, the pressure's on him <laughs> a little bit uh, to to really, um, you know, the, the eyes are of of Canada and the eyes of Canadian fans are going to be on him, uh, and the Canadian organization are going to be on him in this tournament, especially if he gets that role, uh, because you know that the Canadian organization is going to be watching Connor Bedard pretty closely um, for, for reasons that we don't have to get into right now. Uh, but, but obviously he has a chance to really hit the ground running and, and make, and make a name for himself heading into uh, what could potentially, you know, he made a name for himself at rookie camp last year, got an invite to the main training camp. Um, this year he has a chance to, to take an even bigger step forward. Uh, My boy and, eats and- pressure for breakfast, Jared. <laughs> He eats pressure for breakfast. I mean, yeah. just the, the the progression throughout the year. Again, everything that he needs that he needed to be improving, he improved it going from 2020-21 into 2021-22. And then throughout the course of the year, he was getting better all year as well. I mean, he was almost at two points per game during the season, and he bumped it up, and he got two points per game during the playoffs, and he had 23 points in like 11 or 12 games. I can't remember exactly how many games they played. But I mean, it's it's insane, and the the book on him in draft uh, guides, right? That all the scouts were saying is like this guy is a shooter. Like the way that they talked about him in the the pre-draft guides, you would think that they were talking about Mike Hoffman. Like he can't. Like the one thing he can do is he can shoot the puck, shoots the puck really well. But that's about it. You watched him last year. If you just pick any individual Sherbrooke Phoenix games, I guarantee you you would not believe that those were the draft guides or that those were the tidbits that were being written about him by scouts because his playmaking is off the charts. He was quite close to the league lead. Um, just, I think two or three behind Riley kidney and um, Jordan Zume for the league lead in uh, QMJHL assists. He uses the threat of that shot to move defenders around. And then he can slide some of the most ridiculous passes across the ice to his teammates. I mean, you mentioned him potentially making the NHL. I think he's going back to Sherbrooke this year. I don't think Montreal is a good place for, for most people next year. I really don't think that they're going to do super well. But there is a shot that he, he might make himself undeniable in that camp. The The exponential rate at which he's been improving since 2020, you, you cannot doubt this kid. That's all I want to say is don't doubt him. People were doubting him all the way up until the lines were released today, and we realized that he's playing with two of the top players on Team Canada. So, yeah, brace yourselves. He's one of the top players on Team Canada. He's going to show it in this tournament. I believe it. Yeah, and also also eligible eligible for next year as well, right? He is, yeah. So he'd be eligible if – I mean, again, I think it would be the same situation as your Slavkovsky, right? If he makes the Habs, 
obviously it might be tough for them to to send him to the December tournament. But if he if he does go back to Sherbrooke, then you can virtually guarantee he's going to be on that team. And they would almost have a tailor-made um, duo, hopefully, for that by putting him with Connor Bedard, right? I think that's part of what they're doing here is trying to establish some chemistry for the, the, the next tournament in December. Um, and we'll see, right? I think for sure, if Joshua Roy goes back to, to Sherbrooke, you're, you're going to see him on that roster for December. You've been listening to Absent Minded with Yardbook and Matt Drake and myself, Patrick Bexel. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to not miss an episode, especially now in July when, or August, actually, uh, when uh, all the top 25, under 25 podcast comes out. We got some surprises for you. We're working on even more surprises and I uh, hope you'll enjoy it as much as we do. Uh, if you haven't turned in your... Uh, Uh, ballot yet make sure to do that that goes for me as well Uh, and in other ways uh, i can only wish sydney crosby a happy birthday today